the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today we have author, filmmaker, advocate, and entrepreneur J.M. Balbuena on the show. She is the author of The Successful Catapreneur, and she has a very fascinating story, so I'm really excited to dig into this and just share her experiences. So, J.M., thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited um, for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. So my very first question, tell us about your first cannabis experience. My very like first, first cannabis experience um, was on my 18th birthday, actually. <clears throat> I was in college and my sister's boyfriend um, gave me four blunts for my birthday. <laughs> and so... Um, I had never consumed, um, and I definitely shared the four blunts at a party <laughs> on a weekend. Um, that was definitely my first exposure to it. And um, it, it, to be honest with you, it wasn't like that revolutionary. I, I feel like um, when I then became aware of cannabis as medicine, I felt like that was more impactful. Um and that was when I got out of the military. So I, in college, I wasn't necessarily like an avid consumer or anything like that. I, you know, that was a gift that I was given. So I, you know, enjoyed it with other people. But um, after the military, that's when I actually, you know, got in touch with what the plant was and what, you know, the benefits uh, were or continue to be. And, um, and then that exposure definitely got me hooked. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a generous gift. I am, um, but I, to and I right. totally understand where you're coming from because for myself too, I, I, I enjoyed it, a cannabis occasionally, but it was when I had cancer and I used it right. medicinally where it's impactful. And I, and I feel like those of us who do a lot of ad advocacy work, it is that, it is that moment where you're like, wow, this is this is more than a high. This is this is helping me not have to use other pharmaceuticals. It's it's enriching my life, and that's when you get that that passionate ding 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 moment where you're like, I want to I want to be a part of this. Exactly, exactly that. Um, in that moment, because I was dealing with um, uh, lack of sleep and dealing with some PTSD issues and cannabis, just like that day where I consumed it and I was able to sleep, um, it just changed my whole perspective and it just opened up, you know, this new um, opportunity to seek information, um, to, to inform myself about what exactly, what am I consuming and why is it illegal and, you know, why is it helping me? And, you know, before every information that I had before that was just that it was the gateway drug and, you know, after you do that, you're going to do all these other things. And that wasn't the case, you know? Yeah. And so, it Well, and I was, I'm wondering too, because I know for me, I knew that I'd heard people talk about medicinal value, but when I, when I started using it to help with pain and helping getting me eating again, it wasn't something that 
I actually I didn't I didn't come to it on my own. I had to have somebody give me the idea, which just sounds funny now because for people like you and I, now we automatically understand this now. But at the time, somebody had a, a medical card and was like, hey, Sarah, you know, I would like to give you some to try to see if this will help because it was actually before I had my cancer diagnosis when I was just getting sick every time I was eating. Did you did you make a conscious choice to use it during that time or was it something that somebody recommended to you? Well, <clears throat> so the when when somebody recommended it to me, I was actually speaking to him about the fact that I wasn't sleeping at night and that for at that point it was for 3 years I was having trouble sleeping. And so he was a veteran and he had just gotten out and he's like, girl, you know what? Just smoke this joint with me. And I did. And immediately I just felt the relief, you know, even the relief from the tension of having the lack of sleep, literally within the first few puffs. And then from there, because I was at night, um, once he left and I went to sleep, I slept like a baby for the first time in three years. And so... Um, in that moment, you know, I started asking him questions and he, you know, he didn't really know anything about the medicinal value. So <laughs> at that point, you know, I kind of hit a, a, a brick wall with him because, you know, he just consumed and he just knew it made him feel better. And that was the reason why he did. But then I happened to meet um, my business partner and he um, had been uh, in the space, you know, growing cannabis since he was 18 and he introduced me to even other modalities like RSO or um, um, edibles and, and, and the dosing and things of that nature. And that's when I really started um, learning about the benefits and then how, you know, your consumption and what resonates with you and 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 then what is the actual medicinal dose and and, and just all that information, it was uh, a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I was looking at your bio, I, I noticed that you were born in the Dominican Republic. And I, for myself, like my, my dad came to this country in the late 60s from Iran. So there's that, I don't know for you, but I know for me, there was a certain amount of stigma around cannabis. And from your culture, where where is cannabis seen how is it held and 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 how did that play into your relationship with the plant um you know in my culture cannabis is a drug it's a drug and it's you know a drug that i would say quote unquote low low lives or people that are bound to be not necessarily useful members in society um consume and and then my background too, I come from like a hardcore Christian family. Um, and so anything that's not necessarily prescribed by a doctor, it's, you know, a felony in their, in their eyes. And even, you know, at the beginning, when I started my consumption journey, I pretty much also had to battle my own stigma of all of that indoctrination from the cultural side, the, uh, the, the educational side and, you know, what I, thought that I, I knew that was ultimately misinformation and thinking to myself, like, am I a drug user now? Like, you know, and that's like at the beginning kind of situation. And then once you 
understand, you know, the medicinal value that the plant has and then understanding too that it's just a plant. Like we're not talking about a chemical situation. Like we're talking about a plant that grows from seed and essentially you can then consume it in, in different ways. And um, once you make that connection and then you're, Con you're conscious about your consumption and why you're doing it, then, you know, it just throws that all away. And now you can focus on educating other people because there's so much misinformation. I mean, there's over a century of misinformation um, that even when as an entrepreneur or as a professional in this space, you're always going to have to battle that, you know, that misconception that people have. And even in, in the business standpoint, some people may be thinking like, are you, even, is it legal? Like, are, are you even doing legal? Is it legal where you're at? You know, like, are you doing criminal activities and things of that nature? So um, as a person in the space, you, you always have to be mindful that you will be always educated. Yeah. It, I, I think that it's, well, it's a constant, it's constant work, but it's also a, a beautiful thing because we're constantly learning. Like there's always new things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting to, to discuss the stigma, especially, especially because a lot of it came from the United States. And, <laughs> <Absolutely. you know? laughs> and I was, I was doing some research the other day. I was actually, I just went into one of those, those holes of historical research with politics. And I was, I was doing some reading about Prescott Bush um, George Sr.'s father. And mm -hmm. I was I was reading about, you know, some of the parts of our history that we're not necessarily proud of that we don't talk about, but seems like today we're we're kind of seeing a recurrence of when I say that about this move for powerful people in fascism and um and white supremacy. And mm -hmm. I was I was reading about how Prescott Bush was working with a bunch of other wealthy white men to basically do a fascist overthrow of the government when FDR was president because they did not believe in the New Deal and helping people and giving families a leg up and social security. And the funny mm -hmm. thing is, is that it was a lot of the people who were involved in cannabis prohibition. Oh wow! So it was like uh, <laughs> William Randolph Hearst, and mm -hmm. um, also the Duponts, and it okay. made me think about everything that was, was happening. List as well. No, but he was married. He was married to a Dupont, which is how that all came to be. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot. <laughs> Thick as thieves, you know. <laughs> And so it's just really interesting to think about the fact that there was this it was it was an industrial component because it was competition hemp was competition for what they were trying to do but that racial component combined with their apparent love of fascism is a really interesting intersection. It is and, and you know I'm not surprised cuz that's um even in the 1920s, when the prohibition for cannabis began, that was the main, you know, witch hunt that they were trying to do. They were pursuing mostly people of color, 
I mean, there's so much history about Anslinger pursuing like musicians and things like that, that weren't doing anything necessarily criminal, but were, you know, maybe consuming cannabis and things like that. And um, it's been, it's, it's part of our history here in America. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a sad thing that it's, it's actually kept a lot of people from, you know, something that can give them relief, especially when, you know, we look at when, you know, if we're born black or brown, we have to really be careful to toe the line because just statistically speaking, the targets are on our backs for incarceration. Right. Yes, I, I agree with that. And, and and even one of the major things that, you know, going back to your question earlier about battling like the stigma uh, with myself, it was that other thing that most of the people that I knew, like in high school, I knew people that got arrested um, for having cannabis in their locker. Like um, I knew people that got arrested for selling it like in the corner, and you know, in a nearby city and things like that. And so um, just thinking back and how that um, was, I want to say the exposure that I had growing up, um, you're thinking like, should I even be doing it? Like that kind of thing. And I think that's the story where that's like the same, um, you know, people of color where I come from, I believe that that's pretty much the disconnection there that we have. Um, and it's due to the misinformation. Yeah. And the history of criminalization because people that look like us, if you were consuming, so it didn't matter what you if you if it was possession or um or or actually selling it or growing it, you were going in the hole no matter what. Right. Right. And for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And and as we know that 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 changes the whole game for not only the individual but generationally for families. It's it's just devastating. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started out here in California, I mean, it was mostly white guys promoting and, you know, even on their social media, um, consuming and and showing like their grows and things like that. And no one of color dare do that, (laughs) you know, and and it's because of that. Yeah. Uh, Even most recently, I would say now, I want to say in the last two years, you see more people of color being more open about their consumption. Um, I had friends that actually pretty much did a coming out of the cannabis closet, like post and things like that. Um, I wanna say like 2019, 2018, um, that's when people started feeling a little bit more empowered. Uh, Once, you know, especially here in California, once it went recreational statewide with the adult use, um, Prop 64, um, people felt a little bit more empowered in that sense. So it's it's a beautiful thing to see. It's 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 wonderful to see people feeling more free. It's it's also amazing to see more representation in the industry. I Absolutely. I'm on the subcommittee for social equity for the state, and one of the things that's really heartbreaking is as much as people want to come out and have successful businesses and create generational wealth, there's there's mm-hmm. still a lot of interesting things happening that are making it, and I say interesting, I'm being generous, um, mm-hmm. of, that are happening that are making it difficult for people to succeed. And that's, I kind of wanted to seg into your book, The Successful Can- Canapreneur, 
and and talk some more about that and see like what what was your thought around creating it what's been the feedback what would you suggest for people who are struggling with you know reading your book and and listening to your story and 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 getting some information and inspiration yeah you know the book um was just I wanted to paint uh, like a real picture of what happens um, in in the legal space and 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 provide information for people to um, number one see the industry for what it is then be able to identify where they can fit in um, I try to paint a picture of some opportunities that people may be overlooking because they might be just focused on getting a license um, and ultimately. Um, there's a chapter where I discuss the mindset that you have to have to be able to um, survive in the space um, without driving yourself, you know, crazy to the bone. Um, and so I try to approach it from the informational side um, and then the the uh, philosophical side um, for success here in the space. And so it's essentially my story going from a patient, like we were talking earlier, to a professional and then an entrepreneur in the space. Um, and the other part was like, when I started writing a book, it wasn't this book. Um, my editor pretty much told me like, you should write about cannabis. And I was writing like a self-help book, um, how to use cannabis, not use cannabis, but like how to be 420 friendly to help yourself um, be, you know, come out this, uh, to get out of your own way with if you're suffering from like self-doubt or PTSD and things of that nature. Um, so she said, you should write more about the business. Like, um, I feel like you've done a few things that people will be able to connect with. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't have that much experience. Um, and then she said, well, you have more than a lot of people. Right. Um, and I, so I was like, okay, well, um, all right, let me see if I got something. And <laughs> I wrote that book in three months. <laughs> and so, wow. Um, yeah. So the, and the other thing that she brought up to my editor, so definitely shout out to her for bringing the idea is, you know, there's not, there's probably like two, three books that have been written by a black woman or uh, an actual like Afro Latina, like there are no books. So in for, for that particular topic and, I was like, hmm, that's a good point. So she said, you have the information, you know, people that in your communities, like women, veteran, Latinas, Black, they will be able, that will resonate. And I think you should probably reroute <laughs> the book towards that. Um, and so I did, and and here we are. And and ultimately, with the information that I provided, my, my purpose for the industry itself was to... Um, with that information to attract like high quality investors, high quality professionals, high quality entrepreneurs that would want to be in this space and make it a sustainable cannabis industry, you know, for years to come. And so and that was it. So the successful entrepreneur is now available in Spanish too. So I thought it was really important to, um, for me to also, provide that access to information for my Spanish speaking community 
my great aunt, she's the oldest person in my family. I gave her a copy of the book and she's told me like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I don't speak English. And I was like, uh, okay, I will make sure I have the translation. And, and so I did. And, and here we are. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's that, you know, education is all about not only informing, but people being able to, to relate, right? It's like, you don't, right. you don't take things in that, that don't resonate f for you very mm -hmm. easily. That's, that's wonderful. And you have, you have a documentary as well, correct? Yeah. So we've been filming for about a year now and it's just same concept of the book is about entrepreneurship in this space. Um, and uh, just putting out the information from my point of view, from the point of view of my peers, of like what the industry looks like, what different verticals people are um, participating, what's working, what's not working, um, and then the outlook on the future of, of the industry and where we're going and how we're contributing to that. So my point with it is to highlight the people that are moving the needle forward. That's awesome. That's that's mm -hmm. we we need we need to see more of that. There's there's a lot of of fun programming out there. There's a lot of misinformation and we need we need more programming that's actually showing what's going on because people have a very skewed view of right. cannabis. And and it always throws me when people still think that there's a green rush. <laughs> Well, I feel like the media, mainstream media really focuses on um, public companies and, you know, uh, and the data saying that how many billions of dollars are being made per year and then sometimes even exacerbating those numbers. Or then you have the other side that they focus on, um, which is criminalization, um, or maybe like when you, there's a $1 billion um, cultivation found in the middle of LA, you know, they exacerbate that and, and sensationalize that um, and, you know, and then focus on the fact that it was illegal and criminal activity and things of that nature. And so I do think that there is an opportunity there to, to provide media that's not, um, that it's unbiased, you know, talking about the good things, the bad things, and just everything in between. Yeah. And then you round it out with the experiential education experience, the support experience with the Veterans Walk and Talk, which I just think is wonderful. It's amazing. And it would, would you tell our listeners more about that? Yeah, Veterans Walk and Talk is a nonprofit organization that facilitates access to plant medicine to veterans. Um, I sit at the board of Veterans Walk and Talk, and I'm definitely honored to, to participate um, they not only help veterans, even veteran supporters also um, get the benefit of the information, the resources, um, and ultimately the medicine. There's a lot of brands um, that participate, like with my dispensary, Jack's Cannabis. Um, a couple of months ago, we did, we um, took advantage of SB 34, which is um, a law here in California that allows you to donate um, medicine to medical patients. And so we partnered up with Veterans Walk and Talk to create an experience. We went hiking, um, came back to the dispensary, the veterans, you know, got their medicine, um, 
shout out to you know all the brands that we carry that participated and in creating that experience and and allowing you know the veterans to to you know have a chill day at the dispensary we gave them a tour and everybody you know was fed and and had a great time but most importantly you know the educational side of things where where people um learn about the products learn about um the modalities like how they can uh, take advantage of the medicine um and then obviously get it for free which is which is something that like california law before um prohibited you know actually giving uh, medicine away um and with sb34 we have that opportunity to do it again because as you know like it's all the cannabis culture is based on compassion and community and so once we went with prop 64 that all went away because it was more focused on the recre uh, recreational use or adult use and so with sb34 we're able to take that back and, and get back to focusing on the medicine and the patients that need it <clears throat> yeah that was that was a I, I felt like with 64 it was it was a slap in the face to the patients um it was really i i was running a compassion program at the time and it was really heartbreaking to have to to liquidate it and give everyone a big bag and be like this is all that we can offer you for now and i'll let you know when things change i um it's it just is we've had some interesting turns in the industry where medicinal mm -hmm. patients have have been pushed by the wayside but it's i just am so grateful for colleagues like you and the other advocates that you know we know and the companies that supported bringing it back because people really needed it and like as a as a veteran you know who mm. who was coping with PTSD working with this nonprofit how did that resonate for you and make you feel? And, and was it, you know, how was that in part of your full circle process with everything that you're doing in this sphere? Um, you know, it's all about community. And so um, when I found out about Veterans Walk and Talk, um, I first like uh, followed them online once somebody introduced me and then was looking at what they were doing and, and how and who was involved. Um, and then, you know, I just showed up to one of the hikes. So um, what they do is just we gather um, and then we do, I would say, hiking therapy. We go hiking or we go uh, to the beach and, and do a cleanup or a park and do a cleanup. And we do it as a community. And, you know, before and after there's, you know, brands that donate product and, we use the medicine to do the physical work and to congregate essentially. And um, I thought that was a great concept. And most recently it has um, evolved to include, you know, having a list of resources, you know, um, including like veteran families um, and, you know, the veteran and then their families or veteran supporters who can also access resources. And it just creates an even bigger community um, because, you know, the veteran is, uh, you know, super important, but the families of the veterans also have a unique experience. And then that is also open to them. 
Um, so at first it was not a nonprofit. It was just a group that gathered. And now, you know, it has evolved into an actual um, nonprofit that's that's um, has a board and everything and, and does collaborative work with um, cannabis businesses that, that share the same mission. And, you know, obviously me as a as a veteran and and being a member of Veterans Walk and Talk, it's only natural for it to make that connection. And, and it's been great. So I'm that's, super thankful. For the sites. That's that's awesome. It's it really shows that you know cannabis does a lot, but there's there's more to it than that. It's it's a tool amongst right. many things in our toolkit, like to have a more um, integrated approach, I guess. But let's mm-hmm. let's let's talk about your your business and your entrepreneurial work. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell tell me some more about how you started it up, what you're doing now, what you're excited about. Well, I'm super excited about um, the latest initiative um, that my company, Prime Harvest, who's the uh, holding company um, for Jack's Cannabis, the dispensary. We are expanding uh, the brand, um, Jack's Cannabis, throughout the state of California. And so we created a campaign called Weed for the People, which um, essentially our company got qualified by uh, the United States uh, um, SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, to raise capital under what it's called Regulation A. It allows us to raise capital from accredited and non-accredited investors. And so with Wheat for the People, we're democratizing access to investing in the space and also access um, to cannabis by uh, our expansion throughout the state of California. And um, so you can find more information at Weed for the People, Weed for the number four, um, for the people.com. And anyone can essentially join in and, and invest in our company. And, and right now we are pretty much doing our tour, giving people information in California about how they can invest, they can be a part of it um you know there's a lot of people that want to be a part of the industry that don't necessarily want to own a dispensary or operate some type of business um with we for the people we give um individuals an opportunity to own shares in a company that is expanding a company that is um women-led it's uh, veteran-led and and it's pretty much doing things creatively in, in the cannabis industry here in California to, to create, again, a, the theme, a sustainable cannabis space, a sustainable business model, um, and, and that's here to, to stay for, for a while. And so I'm excited about that. And so the, my company, Prime Harvest Inc., it's spearheading uh, the wheat for the people, and, and we're taking things, uh, we're taking cannabis matters into our, into our own hands and, and doing things in a different way and, and creating again, community behind a community behind it. When you were saying that, I was thinking how wonderful it is that you're giving people opportunities to participate because it is true. Like running a plant touching business is incredibly hard. I have to give you so much credit for doing that because (laughs) 
talk about not being able to sleep at night, like everything that you have to dodge as an entrepreneur in this space and just the things that you don't have to deal with in any other business. I just, Mm -hmm. how do you do it? Well, obviously I don't do it by myself. (laughs) I definitely have, uh, I'm surrounded by people that have um, an experience in the space, like my business partner and and the CEO of our company, Dwayne Alexander, he has 30 years of experience. Um, He's been growing cannabis since he was 18. Um, He came into uh, the legal market here in California, like 2009, 2010, and has been operating in that landscape since then. And so you can only imagine the plethora of information and and even with that experience you 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 are able to understand the state uh, in the landscape and then almost make predictions of how things are going to happen and unfold and that gives you an edge and so um i i believe that's one of the main reasons why our company has been able to operate um the way it has and in cannabis you know I have the book, The Successful Entrepreneur. Literally, success is still being here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, success is still, you know, navigating the system um, and still coming out on top, still, you know, not folding and, and giving up and still pushing through and coming up with creative ways to keep um, a company alive and, and thriving, even in the midst of, of um, you know, an economic turmoil like turmoil turmoil like we are you know right now as as a country and things like that um and even as an industry in california and so um having that you know having other individuals in our company obviously we have uh, several women that sit at managerial positions we have veterans at managerial positions and and i feel like that's our edge our people and so that's how we've been able to do it essentially so yeah, I, that's that's a that's a really impactful sentence because that's I think what a lot of a lot of people forget, but successful entrepreneurs know is that you're only as strong as the people that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. So we're yeah we're very proud of everybody in our team and 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 what people bring to the table, and we have high expectations of everybody, and um, you know we we try to deliver you know not every you know nothing is really perfect but the one thing that we do all share is our solutions based mindset um you know things sometimes don't go the way you want it but we still got to deliver we still got to make it happen and and that's you know a common theme in in our te- in our team so yeah you you definitely have to be nimble to succeed in this in this area and you know with with everything that's been changing in California throughout the nation but you know California we've seen a lot of changes since the 215 days and part of it you know is is the quality of the cannabis i feel like in a lot of ways we are living in this crazy land of mids so i want to talk about <laughs> bsw <laughs> yes city weed for sure um, you know, Boycashity Weed is definitely uh, an advocacy lifestyle brand, and it's my creative expression. That's how I um, I like to 
um, express my love for advocacy, but also like inform people in ways that are um, evolved, you know, than just uh, giving you information by even either talking or um, or just writing something beyond like the book, for instance. I tried to dig up information and then come up with like graphics um, that are captivating and collaborating with artists that can tell a story about what Boycastry Wheat means, which it's it's not just about consumption, it's also about supporting, you know, um, supporting businesses that are doing things the right way um, with respect to how they um, grow their cannabis or even with respect ha- up to how they treat their people, whether they support um, social equity, support veterans, support businesses, you know, you could have the best weed, but if you are not necessarily um, being true to the culture of cannabis, then that's shitty to me. <laughs> and so um, with Boy Got Shitty Weed, I try to educate people with the different collections. Um, so you can find the merch so you, you can get familiar at bswnation.com. And um, our different collections uh, are dedicated to speaking about different time periods in cannabis and and um, uh, the good the good things and the bad things. You know, some of our graphics just showcase the villains in the story, and then some of them showcase the heroes. Um, and that we definitely have a lot of heroes here in California. Jack Herr, um, which by the way, I'm excited. Um, Dan Herr, his son, uh, he's a part of our documentary, and he um, has provided us with a lot of intel about his father and 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 you know how he contributed to cannabis legalization here in California and obviously in America and in the surrounding states that have already touched on that. So, um, you know, that's my, Boy Gosh Shady Weed is my, my little baby <laughs> for I, advocacy. I love that. And and Dan is, is a, is a great guy. I really, every time I talk to him, he's just, he's just such a positive force. I really yeah. enjoy him. Yes, absolutely. He's a great guy. Definitely um, staying true to the legacy that his father has left um, with respect to, you know, just advocating for the plant and for the patient. So we're mm-hmm. excited to collaborate with him. Boycott Shitty Weed is is such a great project. It's when I, oh yeah, well, it, it really embodies, we, before 64, and we do now, but we have a lot of work to do. But I really looked at our industry as a model for doing business differently, like really looking at the social justice aspect. And we have a unique opportunity with that, I think. And um, sometimes I feel like people shy away from it for some reason. And, and we should be focused on that. Um, because I don't think many industries have that opportunity to, you know, create this like social justice component, um, sustainability, you know, for the environment component, um, and then wellness for the people. Um, and then even add the layer of financial legacies that can be created. So, um, we, yeah, we have a unique opportunity with, with, you know, within the cannabis industry to, to touch up on all those points that it's truly wholesome in my opinion. And 
that's why I'm very passionate about it. That's why, you know, I'll do anything that we have to do in my in my business with my with my team. Um, we are we're all very conscious of that. And so um, you need people like that in your team to be able to navigate the <laughs> dynamic space that the cannabis industry is and then remain here. Yeah, <laughs> it has to. The bigger picture has to play that part. <laughs> so you so you maintain it it does. It does. And I, I think that we have we have a unique opportunity to create a model for conscious, sustainable capitalism. People can create abundance right. for themselves and generational wealth for their families that actually extends beyond the nucleus of their lives. I agree. So we, we, we talked a little bit about Dan, but when you look at like people who have influenced you that you're inspired by, who are some other people that you would, you'd suggest people read about or learn more about to, to just get that juicy inspiration for the work? Absolutely. So, you know, um, I would say my business partner, Dwayne definitely has inspired me. I, everything that I have learned in this space with respect to business, um, I it started with him. He planted the seed. And so I'm excited for people to get to know his work as I have known for the past few years. Um, but uh, other people in this space that have been doing things, you, dead or alive? <laughs> Either. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously one of my... So I'll tell you, my Mount Rushmore in cannabis would be Jack Herrer, Dennis Barone, Bob Marley, and uh, Brownie Mary. Uh, I would put those guys up there. Who is there anybody else? And in, in most of none of those people are alive. So, but still to date here, I would say um, there is. There, there is a few women in the space that are killing it. Um, for my local women, I will say um, the Patty Rowe from the Pink Sash. Um, she has been holding down the the women's uh, community for years now, um, building a, not only building a brand, but building a brand that creates a space for women of all aspects of cannabis, whether you are a consumer, a mom. Uh, you know, or just somebody that needs community, um, she has definitely done that. And, and on some real, real shit, like um, I have called her, you know, dealing with some women's issues and she delivers, I put it that way. Um, another person that I definitely admire is Adelia Carrillo. Oh, um, yeah. She's a CMO at Event High, another like, just stand-up individual, um, definitely uh, has created with the Blunt Brunch community for women, um, with Event High, you know, just uh, the community of organizers and catering to that. And just, she's a workhorse. Absolutely. Um, then to Zoe Wilder, she's definitely um, getting people in this space to, um, to, to get their word out with their communications and, and, and the things that they're doing. Um, and she does it, you know, the best in the, in the business, in my opinion. 
Um, so, um, and she does it with a lot of class too. (laughs) Absolutely. And in super creative too. So, and I definitely admire that Susie Placencia from Umo, um, Moda Glass. Um, she's also another person that's out here hustling, um, doing things creatively, uh, managing, you know, this brand and, and putting it on the map pretty much. Um, I would say, obviously she has a team, but in her own accord, you see her going places, meeting people, um, promoting the brand, creating the brand in itself. And, and it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. I really, uh, admire her. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a strong yeah. roster of women. Yeah, seriously. And then add the Latinas in cannabis, um, you know, these women not only are doing their thing, but they're also empowering women to do other things. And and it's it's lovely. I am very proud um, to know them and, and to have done work with each one of them as well. Well, we're talking about empowerment and inspiration for people who want to follow you and see what you and your companies are doing. How should they do that? Definitely check out weedforthepeople.com. That's weed, the number four, people.com um, to see, to find out how you can uh, be a part of our business if that's your interest. Um, you can buy my book on Amazon and hit me up in the DMs if you want to sign copy. Um, underscore, uh, at underscore JM Balbuena and um, the successfulcanapreneur.com. If you're in San Diego or if you're in Southern California, Jack's Cannabis will deliver. <laughs> so hit us up. Um, and Prime Harvest Inc. is, is my company. I'm a CMO there. Um, but definitely, um, if you're in San Diego, hit me up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jam, for meeting with me today and being on the podcast. It's It's been a delight. And I I always learn so much every time that I talk to a, a strong woman in our our community who's making it happen. So I just really I want to just thank you for all your work and and applaud yeah. you for all your successes because it's it's a hard time to be to be making it happen and and you're doing it. Thank you for having me. Um, you know it's a pleasure. The conversation was awesome, and I can't wait to do it again. And and thank you, you know, for saying all those nice things. Um. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing it well. You're killing it. And really, I'm looking forward to our future conversations. Likewise. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And everyone, remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please give us a review. Share it with a friend. Let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care. 